0: The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.p-o-r-a-s-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com. So if you hear uh, vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show thanks for listening thanks for supporting bye
1: welcome to Poor ass podcast the show that talks about tough shit on a budget with your host veronica porras
0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poor Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk about tough shit on a budget. And can we live a sustainable life while on a budget? Today's guest I have with with me fellow um, comedian Melissa Page. We met at the San Francisco Comedy College back in the day. And we've always kept in touch and since then uh, she is living in Washington and I'm in Portland, Oregon. And we got in touch and we were talking about family secrets on a budget and thought that would be a good topic to talk about. Um, I, 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 I grew up in, in an alcoholic home and this topic has come up in that area, whereas before, living in an alcoholic home it was all about like keeping keeping secrets you don't really talk about stuff that uh, that's hard and i found that i was carrying those adult behaviors into my relationships and melissa has a, a interesting story on on that so melissa let's just get into it family secrets um How are you affected by family secrets in your family of origin?
1: Oh boy, I come from a classic all American family uh, mother, father, stepmother, half siblings, and step siblings, and full of traumas and our own dramas, like a lot of American families. And secrets definitely has impacted me. Keeping secrets of parents, parents pitting uh, children against each other, don't tell mom, don't tell dad, it has definitely affected me and still carries over into my relationships today, like you. What
0: was, what was, not to get into details, um, I know for me, uh, the people involved are still alive, and I respect them as, as humans. Um, However, like keeping that secret did take its toll. So I'm I'm gonna focus on how it affected me, and also trigger warning, a disclaimer. I am not an uh, I am not a professional. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a person just trying to figure it out. And um, so yeah, so that that's that's where I stand. So I'm gonna keep my situation pretty general. I'm not gonna name names. If I do name a name, it's an alias. So that's how I'm going to be protecting um, anonymity. And Melissa, you're, you know, whatever you need to do to protect the people that are involved in your story, um, go ahead. And I could also like bleep out names too.
1: Okay, thank you. I will use aliases (laughs) as well.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to talk about, I mean, there's so many family secrets to even. Like, which <laughs> one do I pick? But I do want to. I do want to uh, talk about this particular family secret because it wasn't from a family of origin. Even though, like, my family of origin, w- like, there's skills. I mean, there, there's definitely a skill set to keep um, a secret. And there's a difference between keeping confide- co- confidentiality and, mm. and and like not processing trauma i think that's where the damage comes from in my experience of like okay i get keeping confidentiality but uh can can we talk about this like can we can we heal and there was never there's no such thing as resolution when keeping like family secrets so that's yeah so that's where i come from so my story i'm dating this guy Uh, my friend sets me up with her brother-in-law and I, I really liked this guy. I really liked him. Um, he definitely had his issues, but when I met him, I was like barely in recovery myself. So the whole like navigating relationships, I was still still learning that, and I didn't have the tools to walk away from a relationship that didn't work. And it was just one of those relationships that this like we weren't a good. good fit but we kept coming back to each other and so that was like the the dynamic and there was also an like outside of of like oh this is a family that keeps keeps secrets and they don't tell each other so I was privy to a secret and it doesn't matter what I'm not gonna get into details on what the secret was it was it was a secret where my friend told me the secret and, but I was told not to tell the guy that I was dating. It had to do with his, his family. So I felt like, okay, since I come from a, fa- a family that knows how to keep a secret, like, oh yeah, I could do this, but I'm also in recovery. And I found that the two wasn't, weren't able to live in the same reality. Like I, I knew <laughs> It was just wrong. It was just yeah. messed up. It was messed up that um it wasn't my business to even know in the first place. But I'm told this secret and I'm supposed to keep it and not tell the guy that I'm I'm dating. So so you know, um that friendship and other things happen where the friendship, that dynamic friendship that I had with this person who introduced me to her brother-in-law, that didn't work out either. Cause the more I grew in recovery, that dynamic, my relationship, my friendship with my friend couldn't, um, couldn't grow. And, and so that was like, uh, um life life changing because this was like really a significant relationship Mm -hmm. so like friendship ended and the guy that i was dating um ended at at well it was like two really like significant things and like looking at the aspect of like keeping secrets it's like yeah uh, that's another thing it wouldn't it wouldn't work of still keeping secrets of that if that makes yeah. sense. So it that does. still stays with me. Like I can't like there's yeah, there's a difference between keeping confidentiality and just like, oh, I'm not I'm wasn't my business to even know that in the first place. Right.
1: <laughs> God, <laughs> oh I God, I know. And and the better you get, you know, personally, spiritually, the more you heal this, that kind of behavior just becomes so off-putting. And it still happens to me as well. You know, don't tell mom, or I'm going to tell you something, don't tell dad, or, um, you know, even with my siblings or my nieces and my nephews, I'm going to tell you this, but don't tell anybody. It's like, oh, don't do that to me. Don't, don't put that secret on me, please. I have enough of my own to keep. Yeah. What,
0: what were the big, type of secrets that really affected you and how did it affect your your adult life?
1: Uh, we come from a long line of sweeping things under the rug. So something bad happens, you go to tell the person who is trusted and supposed to be in charge, and then nothing happens. And then we just don't talk about it anymore. Or Anytime you have a failure in life, it's kept in, insular and the rest of your family doesn't know. And I personally just don't live my life like that. I am pretty open and honest about who I am. And I think that has been an improvement. It's a generational improvement. I've learned that your secrets keep you sick. So I'm not going to be keeping other people's secrets. Of course, not going around just totally disclosing, you know, the family secrets uh, because like you said there are still people who are alive and it still affects people but it has definitely made me more aware of and I have to be careful in my own relationship to uh, be honest with my husband and to not catch myself reverting back to lying about little things because you're afraid to get into trouble and so that also goes along with family secrets I think Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Have you you noticed that um, family secrets affects your job?
1: It did when I was in the corporate world. I, I own my own little travel business now so my job is just me and clients and I, I kind of like it that way but definitely in the corporate world there were times that being an executive admin supporting executives and decisions that were going to affect other employees come across my desk but I have to pretend like I don't see things mm-hmm. And that Mm. kind of brought me back to childhood. You know, know, there's keeping confidentiality, but then there's seeing things. Of course, if I saw something that was, you know, not right, I I would be a whistleblower and it wasn't things like that, but it was things that I knew that were coming up that would affect people's lives. But you can't say anything because I wasn't even supposed to know. But being an admin, you see things that you just have to pretend that you're blind to. And that kind of, you know, messed around a little bit with... uh, my spiritual health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: How'd you navigate? How would you, how would you navigate? Cause it seems like a lot of coping skills would kick in like denial. Like I didn't see anything like feign ignorance.
1: Oh, I'm a people doing- pleaser. I was a people pleaser. So it was more like, I know keeping the secret is going to make my boss happy. So mm. that's just what I do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I got brave in the last assignment that I had. It was a good assignment. I I had a good I had a good time. They were willing to convert me, um, but the salary was too was too low. Yeah. But like during the process during the salary uh, negotia- negotiations, um, so but like, I think that company just like. hires on the the low end Mm -hmm. um apparently i the package that i submitted is more than what my manager was making and my manager let me know that (laughs) which is really like i was surprised because i i i I was submitting like what i know i'm worth and like my manager as just uh, at that level at that level that i was asking for but my manager was saying like what I was pitching was more than what she was making, and then my first thought, my next thought was like, "Well, my manager needs to ask for a raise because that's ridiculous." Yeah, raise. Right. Because you're is like if my manager is making like entry level salary, you know, it's like the, it's something's wrong with the company.
1: Yeah, it's an adjustment too from <laughs> Bay Area Bay Area salaries to um, Pacific Northwest salaries. I had the reverse. I made. Mm. A higher salary, a pretty high salary for Portland. But then when I moved to San Francisco, a headhunter told me, "Ugh, I'm not going to be able to find you a job. Nobody's heard of the companies that you worked for, and basically, you've been working at slave wages." I thought, <laughs> which I thought was funny. In Portland, it was great money. In San Francisco, she considered it to be slave wages. Oh uh, wow! Yeah. So there's that adjustment too. Of she's probably worked for that company forever, and. Mm-hmm just doesn't know her own value of that sometimes you have to quit a job in order to get paid what you're worth and go somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Job, job hunting is, isn't, I mean, it's very, it's stressful. Yeah. And like how, how this ties into like family, family secrets. Like I know, I know for me when I was going through that salary, that salary negotiation, like I was very tempted to like minimize my own worth. Mm-hmm and i mean like that's like another thing that family secrets like like do it just minimizes your your worthiness like as a like one of the one of the effects of keeping keeping secrets it doesn't it doesn't honor your worth Agreed. and and it's like um so yeah i did find that being reflective um in that one particular salary negotiation, but I didn't let it, I didn't let it like complete. Like I didn't minimize myself. Like in this, in this paper, the so one sheet of paper, I put the amount that I, that I want, I put the amount that I wanted. And, you know, some of the, also some of the concerns that I I have with the company and, mm-hmm. and will they, be addressed and one of one of the concerns that i had was we were in a meeting we we're in the meeting and and the controller at the time sh- this person isn't there anymore but at the time um the controller was in our ap meeting and the person and you know this is a higher level mm-hmm. like my manager's manager um she puts like one of one of our team members on on blast, like just really publicly, and I thought it was like un, uncalled for. So you know, th- I brought that up in my salary, like like package, and you know, in the statement, I said, I said, like I didn't like how so and so put this person on blast. I just thought it was really unnecessary, and if a person has, it was had to do with performance. And just like how she brought it up, I thought was really unprofessional. Like she could have handled that, all, like whole like differently, like mm-hmm. ha- like having a private conversation instead of putting putting this person in, on blast in front of the entire team. And and I didn't think like her, the the performance of the team member was that that bad, but apparently the controller thought it was lacking. And, perception, yeah, perception, definitely. But I spoke up and said, like, I didn't think that was professional. And like, I could have just kept it to myself and like pretend that it didn't happen. But no, it happened. It was like really embarrassing and uncomfortable for yeah. me to even like witness. And I brought it up. You know what? And I don't know if my manager actually like brought that up to the controller when when they, you know, presented like my salary negotiations but I didn't I didn't get the job and you know they said it was I I was asking too much but it also could be like oh this person like speaks up it's really weird it's really weird how companies are like oh we want transparency and then when you attempt to make steps and being transparent like yeah I don't like what manager is doing like behavior wise it's like it's suddenly like oh that's not what we meant (laughs) What? What? Um, Oh my gosh! So corporate Corporate America, yeah. So I want to. You are like I know you've told me that you you have you have MS, but can you tell me a little bit? Is it no no sign of symptoms, or it's it's like you it's something that you have for the rest of your life, and it and it's just like you're able to main maintain the symptoms.
1: It's something I have for the rest of my life. I got diagnosed oh 15 years ago and luck it's it's actually MS is referred to as the snowflake disease before you know snowflake became an insult. It oh. was because uh, we are all very different. It affects everybody differently. Some people just get progressively worse. I have what's called relapsing and remitting fortunately for me, I have only had what I consider to be two big relapses, which was what brought me in to get diagnosed initially, which was I woke up one morning and I was just numb from the waist down, which was mm-hmm. good times and fun. And then a second one where I randomly went blind in one eye. And thanks to steroids, my vision regained. So a lot of people, either you can return to normal or maybe you get better but not back to where you were. And some people have more relapses than others. I have been very fortunate in the fact that for me, my biggest symptoms um, are fatigue. I just get worn out very easily. But it causes me to live in the present because, just like that, tomorrow I could wake up and I could be in relapse and I don't know what relapse would look like. You know, the blindness in the eye, numbness from waist down. It's just a day to day thing, and um, managing my stress helps keep me help, keep, help keeps, helps keep me heal- healthy, and not keeping family secrets is a part of that for sure. How uh, how
0: how does that how does that work when you're trying to um, do your self care? You know, MS isn't is is no joke; it's pretty serious. Um, it's a, is a, oh God, educate me, Melissa. Is it audio, (laughs) is it considered an audio?
1: Autoimmune. Autoimmune. Autoimmune.
0: Autoimmune.
1: The best way I can describe it is think of your phone charger cord and the wires are got plastic covering over it, the cord. And then, you know, when it starts to get frayed, you have to kind of jiggle it to make sure your phone can get in there and get charged. And sometimes it maybe doesn't work all the way right.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's
1: kind of what it is with your spinal cord. So your spinal cord has myelin sheath around it. And MS is an autoimmune disorder, which means my immune system is overactive and mistakes my body for a foreign object. So it starts to put scars on the myelin sheath. And also you can get lesions on your brain. And so it kind of just makes it so that that wiring, that firing kind of... Mm doesn't go as smoothly. Like it's glitches in electrical system is the best way I could say it. And and another way is um, like right now as I'm struggling to find a word that's another symptom that I have kind of a problem with is some cognitive issues, which is where I have r- word recall issues, which is funny cause I'm a person who loves to talk and I'm a toastmaster and I like speaking <laughs> and comedy and all that stuff. And there are mm-hmm. times that the words are just like, eh, eh, like my, I'm trying to download it from the cloud and it's just buffering is what it feels like. And mm. it gets very frustrating. And for some people, it can affect their motor abilities, uh, not being able to walk or having to walk with a cane. Some people can go like that for years and then get better. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the actress Selma Blair, who yeah. recently was diagnosed with MS. and She got really bad as to where she had a shaky voice. and It was muscle spasms in her voice that was making it like that. She was having to walk with a cane Um and then that could go on for six months a year. I have heard stories of people not being able to walk for years, and then through physical therapy, being able to walk again, and then there are others who just end up in wheelchairs. And well, it doesn't sh- I'm not gonna die from m s. It's not gonna shorten my life. Basically, they say maybe I'll live seven years shorter than the average lifespan, but you know, nothing is guaranteed to any of us. Um, I, my biggest thing is managing that stress, uh, keep moving, moving as much as I can, stretching, using my muscles and keeping my brain as active as I can by doing things like being in Toastmasters and here talking to you and just really trying to challenge myself.
0: Yeah. It's a use it or lose it kind of thing. Yeah. Do you find in relation to family secrets, like here you have, you have MS, um, keeping too much stress, it will definitely, um, affect you and true or false. You're pretty public with your, um, MS diagnosis. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. MS. I, I'm a pretty open about person about a lot of things. I wear my heart on my sleeve and yes, I, I am very open about it. I believe in advocating for it. Um, I'm also one of these people, and this is, comes from childhood. I don't think I'm worthy, so let me tell you all the reasons why I'm not worthy or I'm not capable of to being up to the task. So I have MS, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Let me just tell you right away all my things so you can decide right now that you don't like me because I have a fear of abandonment, and so why would I let you in so you can, so you can leave me later on? So let me just tell you now. So if it's not cool with you now, you can run away. And I made the mistake with that with employers. I mean, I've been fired twice uh, for having MS.
0: Wow. Yeah. Like, they found? did they find out before or during?
1: Oh, one job, the job that um, I met Brian at uh, and where I got diagnosed. Um, Whoa, we are behind you. We are going to support you 100%. And then uh, two months later, I was let go. Now, better people than me had been fired from that company. The company is no longer in business for a reason. Mm. Uh, I did take it too. Well, actually, I did take it very personally. Yeah. Uh, but also, I'm not a litigious person. You know, it's like, is it worth? You know, do I want to be right in court at what at what cost? And the second job, it was the same thing. Um, I had asked for some reasonable accommodation. They pretty much told me that I could stay there until I found another job, which I didn't find uh, to be acceptable. So um, yeah, they, you know, chicken, they chickened out. They say they didn't fire me, but find another job. And I took that as well. Then you can just give me severance and I'm going to walk out the door because I'm not going to sit around here (laughs) and look for another job. Fair. That was my last corporate experience. I was just tired of it. But I needed the health insurance, right? Because I have a pre existing condition and I can't get health insurance without a group policy. Yeah. Except for thanks to the Affordable Care Act, now I could.
0: Yeah, you got that going. Yeah. I have I have a question. This this came, this popped in my head on. So it's like you're pretty open with MS. Do you find like in your immediate family, like resistance from talking to you about certain things that revolve around your your condition? Is, is it something like a taboo, like, oh, don't talk about it. You know, we don't want to upset Melissa it's, or is it pretty like transparent and, and open?
1: It's pretty transparent and open. Uh, My mom has autoimmune issues as well, and she's pretty open and transparent with it. Not MS, uh, but lupus. And Mm, so health has never been. And I've been, I was always kind of a sickly kid. The funny thing is my parents, my dad actually told me after I got diagnosed, gosh, I guess we owe you an apology. Uh, Turns out you weren't faking it when you were a kid. So, when I had headaches and was seen as ill, uh, it was a, oh, I must be um, seeking attention, not a, a sincere kind of a thing.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That does happen. Yeah. Wow.
1: You know, that maybe I took after my mom and I was, like, seeking attention. But, you know, it turned out my mom had chronic illness as well, so... It was just interesting to me to hear that. But they are very open about it. They worry about my health uh, a lot. And, um, you know, I was, I didn't get married till I was 38. And I remember my dad telling me that they had willed me to my brother. So that if I got to a point where I couldn't take care of myself, that they were going to <laughs> arrange it. So he took care of me. And I had to remind them that I was over the age of 18 and an adult and you can't will my care to, to anybody that you if something happened to me and I was in a coma you would have to go to a judge to get power of attorney you couldn't even make decisions for me because you're my parents so mm. i i find that funny that they and when it comes to my health we are we are the opposite we are pretty pretty open about that
0: well that's good do you find yeah. any from from your how you grew, how you grew up, and how family secrets played a part, and now that you're an adult, do you find like over the course of course of time that there's been some healing around some of the family secrets that have like pervased, and maybe less like more transparency, less of the secret holding?
1: Oh no, we just don't talk about things.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> and that—that's acceptance around my family of knowing um, I have done work. Some people have not done work, and I can't hold them to the same level that I hold myself. So mm-hmm. my think is thing is I tell my truth, and I don't let other people's secrets or past keep me sick anymore and that I just I just don't participate and play the game anymore
0: yeah I had I had that I the willingness to not play play the game any anymore I I was on a family a family chat and for how was it a while a while I've actually had that family chat on on silent and um there's been, there was like a lot of unhealthy banter going on between mm-hmm. like my dad and my mom on stuff, just just stuff. and then so I put it on silent because I kept he- hearing the ding mm-hmm. and it'd be like 30 messages of like from my mom and my sister and my dad. And like I I'm scanning, I, I'm scanning, scrolling, and then like reading them was just up- upsetting and so then it's like okay so I put it on silent just to so I won't hear the ding because it's just trash it's just mostly Mm -hmm. just just trash and so then like I'm still doing my work I'm still doing my recovery you know active in that and then I had just had a shift where I'm I have uh well, before that, so first it was, it was, it came in phases. So sometimes self-care comes in phases, especially mm-hmm. when you're dealing with family, family of origin um, stuff. And so first it was, I put, I put the chat on silent and you know, that helped for a, a little bit. And then I had to, for myself, like block my dad's phone number. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't see the text messages, but I could, I could, I could, so it's out of context because I'm seeing like my mom's text messages. Right. So they're like out of context, but I could tell it's like, oh, well, d- dad's doing some proje- projection, um, stuff, and and then, but my phone would still blow up. Like my phone would still <laughs> blow up, and then, and so that was a while, and then, um, yesterday. This happened yesterday, so it's pretty, pretty fresh. Mm. I just put a post on the chat. I'm like, hey, can you create a new text message group and don't add me anymore? Can someone, can someone do that? And it was honored. Like the boundary was honored. My mom made a, a new text group and didn't include me because um, the clincher was, I guess, in in reading like my mom's reply. Mm-hmm it seemed that my my dad was bringing up some bringing up the past, bringing up old shit where i thought like i thought that was resolved like decades ago and you're bringing it up now like why and then i got another text from my sister that like there's some mental stuff like going on like i kind of like knew anyway um uh, knew anyway um, you know, my dad, my, I have, I come from parents who are alcoholic and like, how does that not affect your mental right stuff? But my dad is, is sober. My dad is sober, but he's still doing crazy shit, sober mental stuff. And like, that was the clincher for me. Like, oh, this doesn't, cause I like, just to give some context, like my dad would always like criticize the kids mm-hmm. for you, you're, you didn't buy a house, you're wasting money and just like criticize, like we're not. Because we're not like living and renting, or, or no, not owning our own our own home. Come to find, like, home ownership is a scam, and it's like, oh, you don't care, you don't even. So it, it, the truth just came came into fruition. Like, my dad doesn't care about me live, owning my own home. He just wants to give, get off on his own like psychosis. So yeah. it's like who it's like baiting just like mm-hmm. he's just waiting for someone to bait so and he looks like, for the argument yeah i'm like oh he doesn't care like yeah he doesn't care he doesn't care about you um yeah it's all about like arguing and that so that was like the that was the like straw that broke the camel's back for me that's like take me off this text group immediately Like do, do what you need to do. I didn't, I wasn't angry about it. I think it was, it it, it was more like, this is the next step for me to take. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I was perfectly okay with it. I was, I was a little sad, a little sad of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to have like a relationship with my dad or even like have a normal, normal conversation so it's like feeling that sadness, but I left, I left the group saying like, you know, go, go get some professional help, you know, get the help that you need. Uh, I can't be here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: well, good for you. And the, I mean, good, that, that is a big step. I mean, rather than just sitting there and, you know, taking it and let, allowing it to, you know, stress you out. I recently had to do that with my mom. She was venting about, a family secret situation. And um, it's even something that doesn't involve me. I live two Mm. states away, yet I get pulled into, you know, drama still. And I had to tell her, listen, I only have a high school education. Mm. I'm not qualified to answer this question. Perhaps Mm. you should get some counseling and get Mm. some legitimate advice. Because we keep disagreeing about this. I'm always going to I feel how you handle the situation was wrong. You keep looking for me to give you some sort of answer, and I am not not it not qualified. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, I was reading some memes on like codependency. Um, they're on Instagram for the for the listeners. Just like search on Instagram like codependency, you you'll get some really good good memes on like care caretaking and people pleasing and like you know um taking on taking on emotional things that is above your paid grade you're not a professional um but I, I understand it's like if that was what how you were raised in you know you were you looked at someone to like solve and it's like I'm when I'm not aware in my body, when I'm not present in my in my body, it's like yeah, I'll, I could take that on. But the more I'm present in my body, mm-hmm. it's like I have I don't have the bandwidth to even like accept psychosis text messages yeah. from from parents who come from a certain era. You know, mm-hmm. my dad is a man of his generation. He was born in the '50s, and like mental health it you know it just wasn't wasn't a thing and i could tell i could tell from the text messages that i was getting like saying like you know uh, therapy is a scam and all these all these things it's like what do you want us to do about it yeah. like, you're telling you're telling us uh, i'm getting help and my sister's getting help and my mom my mom is getting help and and like you're you're not um And there's nothing, there's nothing I could do about it. It, So when it comes to like family secrets and like in my own family of origin, I was just thinking about like, you know, this, just this paradigm of my, of my parents projecting a reality. It was like their reality, not my reality. And as you were saying before, it's like, yeah, I'm not, not playing that role anymore. And that just like pisses them off. Like, I don't, they're not, they're not. Physically, like, like mad. So it's like I leave the board game, and like, they have no one to play with, and like that's yep. where that's where I like. They're mad. It's like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not my bu- Like, not my business. Yeah. <laughs> like, hand, handle it. You're an adult. You're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> I had
1: to, I, I had to deal with this. You know, I, the collective us, uh, so you and I, we had to deal with your crap. Growing up, it's your circus now. It's no longer. It's no longer my circus. I stepped out of the ring. it you, you guys do that. You know, you have to reap the consequences, consequences of your own choices, just as I have to reap the consequences of the actions that, you know, my choices that I choose every day. I just, like you said, I don't have the bandwidth, and I feel I feel bad. And I just went home. I hadn't been home in two years, uh, pandemic and whatnot, nothing like a pandemic and two years to make you miss your family. But of course, <laughs> it took 8 days of being down there to cure me of that. As much as I love them and I love my family, I love my parents, I no. just I just can't and my dad and my stepmom and I disagree fundamentally on some family secret issues, you know, things revolving my sister-in-law and my nephews and I mm-hmm. just cannot engage. I'm like I'm not going to be on your side. I am done being on your side. I'm on the side of right. <laughs> <laughs> or what i feel is right <laughs> and unfortunately yeah. that is not your side and mm-hmm. i am just not going to be a blind follower anymore or enabler i just can't i it'll make it'll physically make me ill stress physically makes my ms active emotional good things happy things bad things all all the things too much of excitement on any spectrum and i get I get sick, so I try to keep a nice, happy medium, and I work really hard on it. It's not easy. I, it's yeah. I rather be snarky and sardonic, and and you know, I, my one of my favorite statements is from Steel Magnolias, where she says, "If you don't have anything nice to say about somebody, come sit by me, because <laughs> I rather participate in gossip and snark, but that that just makes me sick, and I can't so. I have to work really hard to sway myself the other way and not get yeah. caught up in my family drama too. Cause I am, I will take on other people's problems like nobody's business. I will make them my own and probably worry about them more than the person who it's actually happening to. If I allow myself to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I can't do that anymore.
0: That's bring me to my next topic. Like, you know, keeping a, a low stress life, but you're also married to Brian. Yes. And then, okay, I want to, okay, how, talk about how you two met, because it's such a fun, such a, not, a, it's like fate, like, I, I, I'm single, and, and, um, you know, people tell me, like, oh, help when you least expect it, which I'm sure it will, I'm sure, I'm sure it will, I just, I get impatient, but it <laughs> seems like this whole time, like, you and Brian, he was, like, in front of your face this entire time. Like who, who would have thought, like, did you know, did you have a feeling like he could have been it?
1: Nope. Certainly, certainly not me. That is for (laughs) sure. So Brian and I met at a job. Matter of fact, the job that I got diagnosed with MS and got fired from, uh, it, his office was across, I sat at the front desk and he's the IT guy and he, his office was across from where I sat and we became friends quickly. And my husband is the most inappropriate man. He's hilarious, but he says whatever's on his mind. And when we started bantering back and forth, well, people started to gather to hear us banter. Finally, the HR person came by and said, listen, you two, I can't have you up here doing this every day, you're you're distracting. So I'm gonna give you a half an hour every Friday. And you two could sit up here and you could talk about whatever you want. I won't censor you, whatever, but it's a half hour at this particular time. No more, you know, no, no more. And so people started gathering around. We started calling it lobby talk. (laughs) And that's, that's how we met. And we, he was married at the time and I was blindly in love with somebody who was terribly inappropriately bad for me. That's another podcast. (laughs) in itself and when I got let go we stayed in touch I moved to San Francisco he still stayed in Portland he had you know he stayed there and every now and again I would jump we'd jump on gchat at work and just keep in touch and whenever I'd come up to Portland to visit my aunt and uncle uh, once a year we would have lunch and finally when we got down to a time when we were both single at the same time he was going through a divorce and I was just out with him one night supporting my friend who had been, I'd been friends with forever. And all of a sudden, he said, Is this a date? I was like, It kind of feels like a date, doesn't it? I was like, But what if kissing you is like kissing my brother? Not that I've ever kissed my brother. <laughs> and thankfully, it wasn't. And we dated for about a year, only a year because we skipped all that. He already knew everything about me. I already knew everything about him. We both come from dysfunctional families. We just had so much in common that after a year of dating, we we got married. and, And people ask, do I like being married? I like being married to Brian. I'm not sure I would like being married to other people. I mean, my mom's been married and divorced four times. My sister's on her fifth marriage. My dad has been married for 35 years to my stepmother. But They are not my ideal example Mm. of what a happy marriage is. And, you know, for the most part, the beginning, he traveled 24 weeks out of the year. He is cybersecurity and he was very busy. And I've been independent, lived on my own all this time. So a lot of people, I think, thought our relationship worked because Brian was gone all the time. Mm. And I got, you know, plenty of time to myself. And I kind of maybe thought that. Then the pandemic hits, travel shuts down, and we spend a year together in quarantine. Turns out we actually really, really like each other. Oh, my God. I couldn't couldn't imagine going through this. I mean, we already knew we liked each other, but we were good friends before. And And the heart of our relationship is friendship. And I, because of family secrets and the way I grew up and everything, and being super independent, I've got walls that are so thick around my heart that it would give Donald Trump a boner. Like that was like what he was dreaming of building. My walls were so thick. Um, But because he had been a friend for 10 plus years and had always been a man of integrity and had always done what he had said, that it made it, it made it easy for me. And I'm not sure I would have been able to find that with anybody else. And I totally overlooked him when we were coworkers. I never looked at him like that, even though, Interestingly enough, the guy I was dating at the time, who turned out to be my biggest mistake, said after we went to a Christmas party, That guy is in love with you. And I said, I have no clue what you're talking about. He's like, No. I said, He's married. What are you talking about? We're sitting there with his wife. He's like, No. That man is in love with you. And it took 12 or 13 years later, but it turned out for us to finally realize that. <laughs> like think about him or look at him, you know, and at the time he was married and I was with somebody else and he was just my coworker. And I didn't even think about it, but the boyfriend, the guy, my biggest mistake that I was dating at the time, we were at a Christmas party and he said, that man is in love with you. I said, you're crazy. What are you talking about? He's all, no, the way he looks at you, he is in love with you. But it took, 10 years later for us to finally realize that, you know, and I think about it, I was younger and I was shallower. And my husband, i gonna be honest, was a big man. He was 420 pounds. And at the time I was like, yeah, no, no, no way. And mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't let that stop me. But by the time we finally got around to being single at the same time, just the quality, the heart, the person, I was like, I would be an asshole. <laughs> to let that stop me. And now that he's 170 pounds lighter, (laughs) I totally would have been a jackass. (laughs) Uh, But you know, also it's, it's been, it's been the happy life diet for, for him as well. Um, Us being together, you know, he hasn't had surgery. It's just been all lifestyle change and, and yeah, we are just better together. And I hate to sound like so cliche and whatnot. And, but I'm really lucky in that sense. I never thought, you know, like I said, I was one of these people I didn't, I didn't need to get married. I didn't want children. I already knew that. I came from a long line of unsuccessful marriages. I was independent, didn't need to have a partner. It was a, it will be nice if, and I can't even imagine like life without him or, that if I closed myself off to that or kept him in the friend zone because I was scared. I was really scared. I've always had a lot of male friends that if this doesn't work out, now I've lost my friend and I'm glad I didn't let that fear win because I've gained so much more and I'm also lucky, thankful that I set because I'm a runner and I could come up with 10 million reasons why I shouldn't do something that is clearly good for me and for whatever reason i have been able to do the opposite of that and sit and stay and and not let myself get in the way cuz i could self sabotage like nobody's business <laughs> yeah yeah i haven't
0: yeah there's i i've come across i i've come across some information where where it stops it stops with me and it, well me and my sponsor like pro, like processing it mm-hmm. and then just like putting it in the god box um if you, for those who are listening who don't know what a god box is it's, it's an, an actual box and then you just, you write down your fears or your hopes and your dreams and you just write it down and you just put it it put it in the God box. You set it and and forget it and just let the universe, you know, something beyond human comprehension would take care of it. So I have come across information where it's like, it's not like I was, I didn't, it's like sometimes I don't know if this is your experience, but like, yeah, in my path, I have come across information where I don't think it's, it was necessarily my place to know, but it's like, okay, I have this information and, and it stops with me and I could process that with my sponsor and, and, you know, share, share private, privately in a in in a meeting and just mm-hmm. like leave it leave it at at that um, and I find like that like like that it's a little it's different than like keeping keeping a secret because I don't I don't this inf- this information that came in onto my plate like even though it probably wasn't my place to know like now I know but knowing the information has given me compassion Mm -hmm. for one of my like alcoholics in my life that really caused a major shift. And, you know, working on compassion is just like something that I have willingness. So I had, I've, you know, this entire time I've had willingness to have Mm -hmm. compassion for this one particular alcoholic in my life. And then you know, this is like 16 years in the making. I get this information, though I'm not gonna go to this person and be like, "Oh, so and so told me this." Like that's not right. That's not the purpose of it. It's like I could have knowing knowing what I know. I have better compassion, and I understand maybe a little bit more why you're acting the way you are. But until you get help, maybe that will come out, come out. Maybe it won't. But it's allowed me to let go of why you do the things you do. And then again, just just like, again, shift the focus on me and focus on myself. Mm -hmm. Like coming across because like, okay, like the context is like you you hear some information that Mm. maybe you weren't supposed to know, but now, you know. So yeah. instead of like festering over it, you're turning it, you're turning it, you're turning it over.
1: Right. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's exactly what I do. I don't have a God box, but I uh, do that in my, my meditation or when I'm listing mentally in my head, you know, what I'm grateful for, what it, what it is that I'm hanging on to. I have to, I have to do that. And I have a family member that, uh, who I had great admir- admiration for when I was younger, um, who has is in their own active drinking and whatnot. and I've made it clear that I just can't be around you if that's what you're doing because you can't control yourself. and then that triggers me and messes with my Zen and spirituality, and b- causes me to behave perhaps in ways. I rather not. That I can easily revert to, and that I, you know, get out of pocket. And then it's stuff I have to clean up after. I rather not do that. So if you're going to be like that, go ahead. I just can't be around you, and I don't want you in my life. And that that's hard, and that causes some strife between, um, you know, my mom and I, because she rather that I had contact with this family member. And I believe in redemption, but I think you have to show that you are sorry and that you are by changing the action, not just saying you're sorry, but actually taking the steps to put that into place. Sorry means nothing without, without right action. Yeah, and I, don't, I don't have time or heart sure. space anymore to be around continually. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'll be better. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'll be better. I won't do it again. And then have things just happening again and again. I, Call me when you're better, or you want to make amends. But other than that, I don't have time for you. Sorry.
0: Your plate's pretty full anyway. With like not MS, your your own business. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. Your dog. Your dog. Your adorable dog.
1: (laughs) My four legged child, the only child I will have. I don't need kids. I mean, I'm happy with my choice. I have three siblings. My sister has seven children who have now had children of their have had nine children of their own. so i I am good. Altogether between Brian and I, the childless couple has thirty nieces and nephews. Wow, yeah, you're the and you're
0: I, the cool aunt.
1: <laughs> that's right. I'd rather be called Thea than Mom, but that's just that's just me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, same. I I don't think it's going to happen for me. And, and I've never felt like some some women do. It's like I, which baffled me. Like, I want to be a mom like some like the women that I grew up like, you know, was around and and like they knew. Yeah. Like, so, some of them knew they, they were going to be a mom. I, and I never I never had that. I never had that urge. Um, and so it's like, okay, but it's like, I don't know. I know, I know my strengths. Like I think about it as like, I don't know if like, especially now, like, fuck that. Like, oh my God, everything that I've been since two, since the 2008, like crash, I don't know how single moms like do it or moms who like have husbands who don't help out and, and then even if they have a husband who do help out it's still hard like you know so i I've, I've been single for like so so long and i've had my fair share of like drive through relationships but nothing that's pretty like like consistent but i'm on face i'm on i'm on facebook i don't add new people so if i get if people are listening and you're adding me i am not adding new people on facebook just go add me on twitter and instagram <laughs> I, I will accept your ad on there but i'm not accepting any new facebook facebook ads um but anyway so i'm i'm friend i've been friends facebook friends for my like sorority days and so it's been over 20, 20 years now and i've seen so many um engagements and divorces mm-hmm. and engagements like like forever like it's been a long time like up in the ups and downs of' like the same, the, the same people. And it's like, you know, I, I mean, that just shows me like, I don't know. And then again, one cup, one couple, I'm not going to name, name names, but one couple, you know, got divorced and, and I was shocked. Like, you know, talk about, you know, secrets or, or facades, like Facebook is fake.
1: Oh yeah. And
0: you know, I knew, I knew these people in real, in real life and and they were together in college and you know I was at their wedding um <laughs> it's, it's like they matched it's like at the time at the time I just remember them together and like they matched. I thought they were gonna be like together forever I mean mm-hmm. they, I just really thought that but you know a, a Facebook post popped up and like we're getting divorced and it's like what I was like shocked, like mouth dropped to the floor. I was like, "What?" And you know, soon after, like the person's posting pictures of her, new, um, her new boyfriend. And it's like, "Dang, wow!" But I don't know. She's the person seems happy. Yeah. And like, you just don't know, don't know what's going on behind closed doors. What's really going on? People grow, grow apart. Like the person you were 20 years ago isn't the same person now so it's like I don't know I I I probably not probably like I do I do have a lot more like like I'm always going to be growing uh I don't know if it's going I don't know if it's going to happen like my friend who passed away I would call him up crying like I don't think it's gonna happen for me (laughs) he's like it'll happen I believe it and it's like oh what a sweet thing to say um, maybe, maybe but,
1: though right I mean but like you know platitudes like I, it, it's really really hard to meet people man I, being single in San Francisco that that was hard <laughs> I, <laughs> I would say I've been on some
0: dates I've been on some dates in San Francisco when I was on the apps it, it was mm-hmm.
1: horrible yeah it's it's hard. Dating in general is hard. And you know, marriage isn't for everybody and it's not the end all be all. And if you're not having kids, I mean, we joke that we had the modern day uh, shotgun wedding, which it wasn't because I was pregnant. It was because I got fired and needed health insurance. And so I had to get on his group plan. I mean, we were already engaged, but we were supposed to be married in May. And then I got fired in early December and it was like, okay, well. Let's and his company uh, would only recognize domestic partners if they were same sex. So it was like oh. I guess I guess we're getting married a little earlier than we than we planned. <laughs> so we ended up having <laughs> two weddings. But you know, I I needed the health insurance.
0: <laughs> you got married in San Francisco, though, right?
1: Uh, we got married twice, actually. Yes. Uh, so since we were going to get married in San Francisco City Hall, we were living up in. Oregon. So the impromptu wedding had to happen. Uh, My uncle got ordained with the Unitary Life Church quickly. And we threw together a quick little ceremony, about 10 people in front of my aunt and uncle's fireplace on a snowy New Year's Day. And we had cake and champagne and everybody was there for just a couple hours and sent everybody on their way. And then he and I went to downtown Portland and spent the night and it was great. And I would have just called it good right then and there, but my parents waited an awfully long time. And so we got married at San Francisco City Hall, Um, even though we were already officially married, it was a private little space and my uncle just renewed our, it was like a vow renewal, I guess, a six Mm -hmm. months vow renewal but we did get married in San Francisco because I kind of felt like it was my triumph. I rented a little uh, motorized trolley to take us to the bar where I had the reception because I wanted to do my wave of like fuck you San Francisco. I'm getting married. You didn't conquer me. You didn't conquer me. I win. Um but it was it was a lot of it was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I remember those were the pictures, I guess. Yeah. You posted. You, mm-hmm. you Converse. You were wearing Converse yes. shoes. Yes. This cute little skirt. <laughs> oh my god, it was adorable skirt, like a a poofy skirt. And, I looked like I was um, going to a
1: rockabilly prom more than it was yeah, like a
0: wedding. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm like the shoes. <laughs> it was so cute. Well, it was just like, me. I mean, I didn't need the I didn't want the big wedding. I didn't need the big poofy white dress. I mean, clearly that was not me. I've been single for a long time. So <laughs> I just had fun with it. It's like it's a city hall wedding. And not only that, we're paying for it ourselves. I'm an adult. I don't need I'm just not gonna it's just it wasn't important to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's um, important to some people. So
0: we, we are at the end of uh. our talk.
1: Do you have anything to plug? Um, travel is picking up again. If you are looking for a travel advisor, look no farther than Page Park Travel. Melissa Page, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram under Soulful Sojourns, or www.pageparktravel.com.
0: Uh, people could find me on uh, my website, Uh, www.vcomedy.com. that's V-E-E-C-O-M-E-D-Y all my um, Instagram and Twitter handles are on there and uh, we'll put Melissa's travel business contact information in the show notes and um, if anyone wants a personal video message for me get me on Cameo I am on Cameo Uh, Link is in the show notes, but you could go to Cameo and search Veronica Porus. Um, I am the only Veronica Porus on Cameo, so get me on there. Um, I did. uh, I did increase the rate to fifty dollars, and it's to screen out weird people. (laughs) I had it at five bucks, and I was getting some really interesting video requests.
1: You're like so, it's cameo, not only fans.
0: Yes, yes, it's <laughs> exactly. It is not an only fans site, and I'm really shy. I don't do that. I, I, I don't. I don't do that for me. I don't. And props, props to the people who do have the fans only page. <laughs> I, I don't have the ball. Um, I don't. Well, eh, I don't have the balls to do that. Um, I could do cameo, but um, yeah, quality uh, good good video messages Um, I'll do recovery recovery birthdays uh, video reminders to pay your bills uh, video reminders to um, encouraging you to stay on budget and living sustainably and on that note thank you so much Melissa for coming on the podcast talking about family secrets
1: thank you for having me